It's quite simple, really. You just need to show you some film. You mean like going to the pictures? Something like that. Welcome back, everybody, to another wonderful episode. I am Mitch. And I am Stefan, and this is Drag Mitch to Hell, the show where I would normally drag Mitch to Hell with a genre movie that I love, but believe he will hate. But things are a little bit different today. That's right. We're joined by Yovana. Say hello. Hello. Greetings, friends. Nice to hear from you. Hello. Yovana, would you like to say what kind of special uh, activities are going to be occurring on this episode? Oh, yes. I believe we're all going to be talking about a movie we like. Unprecedented. Well, it's, yeah. it's not entirely unprecedented, but we do it rarely. We normally try to drag each other to hell. So here we are. Exactly. This is our season two finale. So uh, a round of applause for you folks for sticking it out. And uh, we're going to be ascending to heaven with something that we all enjoy, uh, which I, I would say actually is unprecedented in the sense that you didn't, we picked Ex Machina as our last season movie. I don't think you enjoyed it as much. No, I didn't, but I'm I'm ready to enjoy and talk about enjoying today's movie. Yeah, this movie is so good. Um, with that said, I do have a question for you guys. So, wonderful podcast pals, question time. Have either of you done hallucinogenics in some scandinavian landscape Mitch? <laughs> uh no you no had is the honest answer. <laughs> yeah. you've had the same question i mean i'm gonna say no to that specific question <laughs> <laughs> i have i have done those two things separately um but not together interesting great answer yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've only done, uh, I did, I had mushroom tea once and I did not feel the effects of it. So hmm. it was a failure to launch. Uh, and I've never been, I think the only place outside of North America I've ever been, I don't think I know the only place that I've ever been outside of North America <laughs> is, uh, Portugal. So, uh, I have not been to, uh, the central land of Sweden, uh, for our film. Um, so that question does feel a little bit unfair. I'm looking at you, Mitch. Uh, so I've prepared an alternative. <laughs> uh, have either of you ever had experiences with people where you kind of like feel you're always at odds with each other's communication styles? If oh, so, yeah. it doesn't have to be like a relationship, like a, like a romantic one. It could be like any kind of relationship, uh, work, whatever you'd like to disclose. So Yovana, you, you sound excited. So maybe you lead the pack <laughs> and then Mitch, you think about it. You come in after. You got it. I mean, yes, I'm I'm pride myself on being a good communicator. I hope. I think. I tend. I work in the field of communications professionally, but I also think that I I'm a clear communicator and think it's really important to be that and do that. Um, I hope the people listening to the podcast agree <laughs> with my with my self assessment. Uh, and I think that a lot of people are bad communicators, and it's really friggin' annoying because uh, in the workplace setting, you tend to get tripped up and not be able to get stuff done. In personal relationships, it can cause a lot of pain and hurt um, just based on total total misses of communication. So, yeah, it sucks. But, you know, we can't all be as great as me at communicating. It's true. <laughs> I'm certainly not as good. I try, though. I try my hardest. <laughs> um, so, Mitch, uh, have you had time to compose yourself? think of something yes okay cool yeah i mean i'd say pretty similarly i think i've experienced it in both 
um, romantic relationships, but as well as at work, uh, because my job title is literally communicator. Um, that's the title that they give us as far as 911 call taking and, and non-emergency calls. So I talk to people all day, every day for my job. So there's all kinds of times where I'm trying to have conversations with people and to get information out of them. Sometimes it's information you need very quickly and people may be in a situation where they can't answer the questions, where they're, unfortunately, sometimes they're whispering. Um, and most of the time when that happens, uh, it turns out nothing's actually going on, um, mm. which is unfortunate. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I could talk for days about the amount of times where I've had issues with communicating with people on the phone. And I think that similarly to you, Yovana, I think I have relatively good communication skills. Um, something I'm better at at work than I would say in a relationship. And that's something that I've worked on for myself uh, over the last few years. But uh, but yeah, it's there, there's nothing worse than trying to talk to somebody uh, who is not able to communicate back or you're at odds and it's just you're on separate wavelengths and you're clashing and you're just not getting anything accomplished. So definitely been there and pulled my hair out on more than one occasion. That's great, Mitch, that you don't just tell people to fuck off, bro, and hang up the call. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, for real. But there are times where we have to be incredibly blunt with people where I've literally been shouting at someone to stop talking while I'm talking because they're just you know rambling on or you know refusing to answer my questions that's the the most annoying part of taking 911 calls is someone calls in for an emergency but then they don't tell you what the emergency is so you're sitting there trying to get information from them and they're like just come here just come here and you're like well no i need to know what's going on and they're like uh then they hang up the phone and you call them back and it just becomes a, a nightmare. So yeah, as much as I would like to tell people to fuck off, bro, um, <laughs> I have to be a little more polite than that. I mean, I just assume because you're a jock and all that, uh, that's what it would devolve to. But. <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty much how I talk on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. I guess it's time to reveal, I mean, like, it's pretty obvious what we're, we're doing. If, if somebody, if the podcast appears, you've already seen the title of the film that we're doing, so there's no real surprise here. <laughs> <laughs> we are, of course, ascending proper for our season two finale with the movie from 2019. We're doing Ari Aster's Midsommar. <laughs> I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. On... Believable. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skull! 
What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. <laughs> How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you invited us. That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know. We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come. So, Giovanna, what's your history with this movie? And uh, what makes this an ascent to heaven for you? So I saw this film in theaters because I won free passes and I had not seen any of his previous films because as you guys and listeners of the podcast will know, I am a scaredy pants and I can't watch scary movies because they scare me too much and I will cry. So I won free passes and I was like, okay, be a brave girl, be a big girl, go to the scary movie, you'll make it. You're a 30-something adult woman who can do this. And I went and I loved it. And I was pleased to discover that it was not the type of scary that scares me. So there's only certain things that scare me. Some of those include ghosts, hauntings, apparitions of things where there weren't previously things. Um, but things that don't scare me are blood and guts and violence. Um, so that So that was fine for me. I was fine with that. Um, and I thought it was really smart and Uh, looks beautiful and the performances are excellent and has a lot to say it's not without its issues and we'll get into that um but yeah i really really enjoyed it and then i and then i watched it again um with a group of friends a couple months ago and then reviewed it again for our viewing today so yeah i'm a i'm a repeat viewer and liker of midsummer when you found out you had won free passes uh, was it, did the past manifest in such a way that it was like a bingo roller and a ball with a runic <laughs> letter descended and you found out that your name was uh, the runic symbol? Oh, that would have been great. That would have been uh, awesome. Yeah, that probably makes no sense <laughs> right now, but it will make sense. Uh, Mitch, same question, uh, your history and what makes this a uh, Send to Heaven movie for you? Yeah, well, actually, you and I had gone to see this in the theater together. We held hands. That, that's true every time we see a movie though we do that so it's how you watch movies uh yeah no i had seen hereditary and i had enjoyed it and was very curious about this the reviews had been very good you know it got some good buzz and you know i generally like seeing sort of good horror movies and this you know like i said hereditary was very good a little bit different than than the norm and i thought this would be the same thing and yeah i was a, a very big fan of the movie there's um a lot of humor in the movie that i didn't expect going in the first time that i think works really well i think uh as you mentioned yovana the it's beautiful looking movie the performances are are wonderful and i think it Stephen, you and i had talked to the other day about x and i was talking about uh 
elevating beyond sort of just sort of standard horror movie stuff. Um, and I think this is a movie that does that uh, for me more successfully where I, I cared about the characters more and I was much more invested in, in their journey. Um, and it didn't feel like it was just doing sort of the, the cliched horror stuff or, or getting into that territory. So there are a lot of things to really like about this movie and rewatching it again last night, still really enjoyed it. Uh, it's very long. Uh, but <laughs> I think I watched a <laughs> director's cut maybe oh, because oh, yeah. I checked the time frame, like the, the runtime on IMDb and it was like two twenty eight, And then the version I watched was like two hours and 50 minutes or something. So an extra like 20 minutes in there. Uh, so yeah, definitely a long ass movie, but it's still very good. I'm a, a big fan. Yeah, you definitely watched the director's cut there, 150%. Yeah. Uh, but all the power to you for that. Uh, I applaud you, good sir. If anybody hasn't listened to our last Little Hell episode, Mitch uh, thought X was average, and I loved uh, X. Uh, go see X, because uh, it's not a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, I love the music in this movie. Uh, it's done by, I don't even know how to pronounce the guy's last name, but I think it's Bobby Krillick. Uh, it's part of a, I don't know if it's an industrial music group or what, but uh, he does have like a uh, some kind of band on the side. And uh, there's this wonderful piece where the main character, uh, Danny, is being cradled by her partner after some harsh news. And we're moving towards the window and beyond the window is this like winter wonderland outside. Uh, it's just driving and tonally powerful. And I think that's like one of my favorite scenes is largely aided by the music. I think the performances are great. Uh, I love the story. Um, I, basically, as soon as Ari Aster, after having done Hereditary, described that he was making a, like a Wizard of Oz for perverts, I was like, oh, man, I am 150% in. <laughs> it's, it's, I couldn't be any more in. Yeah, I don't know. This movie, was, I felt like it was made for me, which... Um, you know, I'm excited about. Uh, it's rare that I get that feeling. I'm watching a TV show right now that Mitch has already watched. I'm on my finale episode of Severance, which is another show that I think is like made for me. So I'm like discovering these things that I think are like a shoe in for what I'm into, and I'm really enjoying it. But uh, why don't we just get into it? How's the sound, guys? Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Uh, from a folk-inspired piece of artwork that really shows the trajectory of the movie if you've already seen it. You can pretty much gather everything that's going to happen via this piece of artwork that starts the movie. Uh, but we then open and meet Danny Arter, who's played by Florence Pugh, uh, although we only meet her technically through her voice at first, as she leaves a voicemail at her parents' place expressing concern for uh, in, in, basically an email that her sister had left. Unfortunately, it appears as though her parents are sleeping through her worried message. We then meet her proper uh, in person in her apartment as she calls her partner, Christian Hughes, who's played by Sing Street alum, Jack Rayner. <laughs> <laughs> I had to mention it once at least. Anyways, we can gather everything uh, from the relationship via this call. Danny, basically in an ill-fated attempt to try to get her mind off of what might be happening back at home, tries to make plans with him, but he's uh, he's just a resin with some friends, which I think is a very funny <laughs> thing to, to, to say you're doing at the time. And it's clear that he only accepts her presence as a perfunctory gesture. Uh, and then goes on to say, like, uh, how's your sister's, has her sister saying, this is all paraphrasing, of course, these aren't the exact lines, you know, saying she's basically doing this every day, other day to you, she's bipolar. Uh, he's being generally shitty. I think that's a fair uh, summation. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we get the sense right away that there's a one-sidedness to their relationship. Um, and that's only further unraveled as the film goes on. 
but there's there's a very kind of awkward and definite imbalance in the you know affections going going one way rather than the other i don't know that you get quite uh into the depths of sort of some of the shitty stuff that he does but you definitely get the the vibe that like uh like you said you know it's it's very one-sided you can feel this almost like disdain in his voice like he he doesn't want it to come across but it's still like yeah we can hang out later like sure kind of thing like you, you know he doesn't want to but he's doing it like you said just sort of to do it um and so yes i, I agree Stefan. He's, he's being a shitty boyfriend yeah, it gets way better as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, after the call, uh, Danny's worried Christian's going to break up with uh, her. And meanwhile, Christian's meeting his friends and our other peripheral characters for this movie uh, as they have a bite and you know share some drinks. We have Douchey Bro Mark, played wonderfully by Will Poulter. Uh, oh, he's the opinion. worst. I love <laughs> Will Poulter. Do you know? Uh, all right, so I randomly just—I mean, like, he's—I meant he's the worst as a compliment on the actor's performance. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, that's what but I meant. This yeah. character uh, also incredibly funny, but uh, very terrible. Funny in how terrible he is. I got randomly got like a BuzzFeed article that were was about um, uh, actors who hate uh, method acting, which and I like can't stand that shit. So I like dug in right away. There's like the heavy hitters, like Mads Mikkelsen, who's like, it's bullshit was <laughs> the only thing he said about it. But Will Poulter was basically saying that it can lend itself to a very negative experience on set. And you should try to have a professional hospitable work environment when you're making a movie. It was all good stuff. And it just made me love him so much more. That's uh, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, anyways, a uh, huge Will Poulter fan. Uh, can't say enough good things about him uh, uh along with mark we have the intellectual josh who's played by william jackson harper and our swede pele who's played by wilhelm Blomgren. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying my best here guys it's great it's great thank you thank you uh who, who basically confirm uh over their their drinks and food uh that uh daddy's suspicions are true and they're trying to coax christian into breaking up with her they're basically all university students i think they're doing is it their master's so they're doing a thesis so it's not a phd right it's a master's so i think they're doing a phd and i think in some places in america their dissertation is called a thesis uh, um however i'm not 100 percent sure about that but the the reason I say that is because a lot of programs in the states ha don't have a master's. Like you go straight from undergrad to a PhD. Right. Okay. Anyways, we don't. Know. I'm not sure. But yeah. the point is, they're douchebags. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100 percent. These people are, are wonderfully terrible. Uh, they they're all anthropologists, and Danny herself is a psychology student. Just so we can get all that uh, uh, out of the way. Uh, Will offers such lines as, "Then you can find a chick that likes sex." In reference to him breaking up with Daddy. Basically, Will is the worst, or sorry, Mark uh, is the worst person. Will uh, Will is and Will Poulter. Will Poulter did not say this. His character <laughs> said this. We then cut back and find that Danny's parents hadn't been sleeping when she had called. They're in fact dead. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Danny's sister had rigged a funnel from the car, like a running car's exhaust, to her parents' room. She kind of duct taped the the bottom, so all of the carbon monoxide was just funneling into the room. Then she'd rigged another to her mouth via some other duct tape. Uh, it is gross, guys. It's uh, grim. Yeah, it's grim. Absolutely. Yeah, it's unsettling. 
It's definitely one of the more unsettling movie openings I, I can yeah. think of. Yeah, this yeah. is like ten, like ten minutes. Not even. I don't think it's even ten minutes into the movie that this happens. No, it's the it's the first kind of thing that happens, basically. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I like any movie that basically like puts its foot down. It's like, all right, here's the moment where you know what you're going to be in for. Get out if you want to get out. Basically, like as quickly as possible. It's not some like weird third act shift that can like ultimately funnel people out of the audience if it's playing in a theater you know what i mean like you know right away if this isn't going to be for you this is a a good start to a film in my opinion here um but anyways this essentially kiboshes christian's breakup plans with danny uh given the fact that her whole fucking entire family is now dead um oh i have a question for you guys um if your partner had a sibling that committed suicide and took their parents with them how long would it take you to break up with them afterwards? <laughs> That's an extremely specific question, Stephanie. Oh, yeah. Um, I, who would like to, to hazard a... By the way, don't. no explanation, just time. Go. Six months. Six months, okay. Okay, Mitch? I think slightly longer than that. What? No, I asked for a time. You can't just say slightly longer than that. Okay, me. sorry. Seven months. Okay, cool. I'm obviously <laughs> joking. I don't know how long that would take. But I do want to comment on the fact that I think there's something very identif- that we can identify with in this relationship dynamic, which is that, well, I don't know about you guys, but there's always been um, this experience where you're dating somebody and you want to break up with them, but they're having a hard time. And so you're not sure if you should hold off on breaking up with them because they're having a hard time. And obviously this particular hard time is the hardest of times. There have been less hard times, but I don't know if you guys identify with that and I'm not defending Christian at all because he's a giant dick bag, but uh, I've been in that place where you're like, God, I really kind of want to dump this person, but like they just, you know, I don't know, failed a test or something like, I, I don't know, you know, a typical <laughs> high school, like uh, drama or whatever. Um, so at least there's that kind of, I, I'm not defending Christian, but at least it's, I think something we can identify with. I don't know. Do you guys think so? Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, well, sorry. No, I, I have nothing to add, really, Mitch. <laughs> you can have it. I was just going to say, without getting into to too much detail, and not necessarily about the wanting to break up part, but just in terms of dealing with uh, somebody, well, maybe this isn't accurate to this movie, but dealing with somebody who has mental health uh, issues, um, how difficult that can be in a relationship. Yeah, for sure. um, so it's... Yeah. There's definitely elements here that I that spoke to me for sure. Yeah, and not just a dating relationship. Obviously, if you have a close family yeah, member, or friend who's struggling with mental health stuff, like that's that's hard for everybody. It's hard for that person. It's hard for the other people. It's, it's yeah, hard. or yeah. just break up with them the next day. You know. Yeah, Christian <laughs> definitely doesn't do the the best practices here. He's he's really. Uh, Oh man! Oh, I, I, the, the the next scene, I'll, like I I make. No, it's not the next adjacent scene to this, but it's like very soon, and I absolutely love it. We'll talk about it. We have to talk about it. We can't not talk about it. But after some time, it appears some kind of like semblance of normality has returned between Christian and Danny. Uh, he now lives with her, I believe. I don't mm. know if they had before. I do think this is a new thing. Some time has elapsed here. Um, and basically, while at a party, Danny finds out that uh, Christian's made plans to go with Mark uh, and Josh back to Pele's Swedish commune in Harga as a kind of like last uni hurrah under the guise of Josh working on his thesis. Um, this culminates into another one of the funnier scenes where 
Mark basically tells his friends that he's invited Danny to Sweden, but she's definitely not coming. <laughs> uh, in fact, he said that his friends uh, told him to invite her, and that's what she's com- what he's communicated to Danny. And then when Danny arrives, Christian's friends continue the faux politeness as a gesture and are asking her to come. And then she's like, "Yeah, I'll come to Sweden." It's- Christian <laughs> is the worst. <laughs> he is already like we're only like one tenth into this movie. He is already the most like rudderless dickless floppy ass sycophant bootlicker i think he's a (laughs) i think in a different situation he would be a bootlicker he's just so like insecure but also power hungry and wants doesn't want to deal with his adult human female partner like just complete just a plastic bag in the wind i just i just (laughs) i hope he gets beauty i hope he gets caught in a tree branch and ripped to shreds by a pigeon i really okay (laughs) rant done i will return to this anti-christian rant later but already i think you can agree we're not even very far into the film at all and you're just like this fucking guy am i right yeah i'm totally anti-christian too oh my god Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as to say, uh, you know, all the colorful, wonderful things Sorry. that you just said. No, no, no. The I just hate I him so it. much. <laughs> Do you, like, you, you definitely see the, you know, all of that in him. But I do think that they do a good job of at least, again, maybe this is just my experience playing into it. But just like seeing how it's like, he probably also wants a break from taking care of this person to go to the party for 45 minutes, which isn't sure. cool, but like at least you, but you still understand where he's coming from is even if it's, you know, dickish behavior that he's partaking in, you at least understand him, which is why I think this movie totally. works as well as it does. I, exactly. And that's why I said that I think his situation is something we can all identify with. His behavior, on the other hand, is not right. necessarily how I would go about it. But I absolutely do. I think, yeah, there's there's a sympathy there that I can that I can feel. The lesson is you got to break up with your partner like way sooner. Like he should have broken up after. with her like yeah, don't wait until their family dies before. Right. Exactly. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. Have the knowledge and foresight. Make the call. Um, yeah, uh, I don't want to get too granular because we're trying to move away from that. But there is like one yeah. good transition here where uh, Pele is asking, uh, basically giving his condolences to Danny. Uh, and she just like runs away from the situation crying and she goes into the washroom. And as she goes through the door, she's in the uh, the airplane washroom. Just a great transition. I have nothing really to say about it. I yeah, just no, it's a great it. cut. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Um, anyways, we now arrive in Holsingen, Sweden. I again i'm just trying my best the pronunciation is probably wildly incorrect uh, yeah you're fine yeah exactly uh we have some great will wines here oh my god the women here what is it that makes them hotter here like it, it's like all so gross sorry what is it that makes them hotter here uh i got lost in the will voice uh, <laughs> <laughs> but i'm back now uh we they basically rendezvous out just outside of the commune we meet Pele's brother ingmar who has similarly invited some outsiders in the form of simon and connie who are a couple from london uh some mushrooms are offered to our new arrivals and again we have another warring conflict over faux politeness uh, danny 
I think rightly and justly wants to settle into like their new environment before taking mushrooms because that could go south very quickly. Christian decides to basically hold off and, and support her. And then the rest of the group basically with, you know, Mark whining that, you know, we can't all get high at different times. It'll ruin the experience. He kind of like puts his foot down and ultimately everybody gets high and it turns into an absolute nightmare for Danny, who uh, is still very much grappling with the death of her whole, whole, like whole entire family, uh, which is fair. Uh, We get some great comedy from Mark as his mushroom high hits. Uh, Mitch, could you do some line readings um, that are unprepared and you're not ready for? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, this is definitely a part that uh, I enjoyed with, um what's mark is that his character's name yes yeah mark yeah um telling everyone to to lay down (laughs) and then he just i think specifically is like josh can you lay down please uh yeah no it's 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 a really great moment in this movie (laughs) who's this outsider (laughs) no outsiders it's, it's all so good uh i mark's lines a lot of them are off camera too and you might actually miss uh, and those are some of the best lines in the movie. Uh, and I'll, I'll point them out in case you guys uh, uh, didn't catch them. But they're incredibly funny throwaway lines that I honestly think are just like 80 yard in. Uh, <laughs> it's like so good. I don't smoke weed often, but I once got so high with uh, two friends and a stranger. Uh, and we were at the stranger's house, so I felt entirely uncomfortable. And I felt like I was in a hyperbolic chamber and I was just like sunk into my chair and I couldn't move. And I just wanted to get home as quickly as I could, but mm. I couldn't move. And it felt like a millennia. Um, Sucks, man. Yeah. So that's my... Bad trip. Uh, Sucks. Be, uh, my, it's not nearly as bad as Danny's, but it's uh, the, the only thing that I can muster from my memory that would relate to this. Anyways, post-mushroom trip, we have uh, Pele and uh, Ingmar who lead uh, the visitors towards their commune. Uh, We basically find that there are some yurts with Tim Burton-esque angles to them and a whole slew of people in decorative tunics or frocks, whatever you want to call them, uh, which are genderless in honor of nature. Uh, Mark off-screen quips, uh, so we're stopping at Waco before going to Pele's village. (laughs) (laughs) This is like, did you catch that at all or no? Yeah, I heard it. Okay, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's there's so many good lines. Um, I really appreciate it. Also, because I couldn't. All right, uh, I texted Mitch this line that I absolutely love, and I couldn't seem to find where it placed in the movie. And I tried to like skim through the timeline and see where I could find it, and I just I literally went through the whole movie and I couldn't find it. But Mark watches as a line of women are dancing backwards and offers the hilariously callous line: "Someone should tell those women they're walking stupid." it's all like this guy's a terrible person uh and his delivery is what makes it like incredibly funny for lack of better words yeah Uh, there's one moment where some one of the elder men in this group is talking and he just says uh what do you think this guy would do if i stuck my finger in his butt right now (laughs) (laughs) that's the director's cut man (laughs) (laughs) oh but yeah it's just he is the worst person he's like but i I do think he's like the accurate representation of like christian and josh where josh and and christian are being faux polite and then he's just being the dick that they probably truly are you know what i mean Mm, yeah i think so mask off mask off take the mask off Um, mark is the mask off someone literally does later it's true yes true excellent 
Um, another hilarious thing, Mark is vaping as he goes through the commune, which is like a really funny touch. Uh, we also get snippets of some traditional, it's like a conga line-esque dancing, which is said to be called uh, Skin the Fool, uh, during which I believe it's Pele's younger sister flirtingly kicks uh, Mark, uh, it's the character mm-hmm. name of Maya, uh, as she dances by, a gesture that does not go unnoticed by Danny. Um, meanwhile, uh, Pele gives Danny a uh, drawing that's made for her birthday, which has sadly been forgotten by Christian. Yeah, and she she says, "I forgot to mention it. It's not my. It's not his fault." Like, <laughs> what? Like he? She's basically making up excuses for him to not have a confrontation with him for fear that he's going to leave her. In my mind, for the character, yeah, which so- is a trend throughout the film for her basically like anytime it seems like she's trying to have a conversation with him about some sort of conflict or anything as soon as there's a hint on his end of like anger or resentment or anything she backs off and starts blaming herself essentially and it's like oh no 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 i i did something wrong and sorry go ahead i I was just gonna say one of the reasons why i love the way that this relationship is written and performed by the actors is because there are so many things that feel identifiable about it so on christian's side as i already said we can identify with having a partner that you want to break up with but you can't because they're having a hard time on danny's side i feel like i mean maybe i don't want to speak for you guys but there's always someone you're dating who you kind of know wants to break up with you but you're really trying desperately to hang on to every shred like he she can tell that he's checked out and she's just trying to grovel and kind of be and i mean i'm not saying that that's necessarily a successful tactic to keeping a relationship going clearly it's not but I, I don't know. I identified deeply with both positions and, and I thought they were just written and, and, and performed really well in a way that, that um, really hit home for me. I don't know what you yeah. guys think. No, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. I hope I don't upset the person I'm dating because I really want to keep dating them. I better not do anything yeah. to upset them. Not great. Not a great way to live. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. Not to joke around story-wise at all, but I do want to like just finish this uh, story B. Uh, but uh, this all culminates in Pele slyly reminding Christian of her birthday, and then Christian then attempts to surprise her with a piece of cake replete with a candle that he can't light for the longest time. <laughs> He's and the worst. What, I hate him. What a better metaphor right there. Uh, it's just so good. Um, yeah, he is the worst. Um, anyways, uh, to get back to the story proper, uh, Pele brings the gang around the commune, giving them the lay of the land, uh, basically showing that, uh, you know, the community carves runes, and uh, he says that they put them under uh, pillows and dream of its power, and we have the off-screen Mark quip, oh yeah, I do that too. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound funny when I'm saying it, but in the movie, it's so good. Um we we find a bear uh we're just going to ignore the bear and then pele nonchalantly says it's a bear uh, a lot of great stuff uh but the important thing here is that we do come across a tapestry like a quilt that shows some important information and over a few squares of quilt uh we get more than a lot of movies do with a long stretch of time where characters are interacting and not much is happening but we see a young woman pining after a man uh she writes down some runes uh, and then sleeps with them under her pillow, then cuts off some of her pubic hair and feeds it to the man uh, in order to make uh, him fall in love with her. And then they get married at the end. Again, maybe too minutia, but a grant, this is like so important for the uh, story. And again, shows how art communicates what's going to happen. But you don't really know, like, you wouldn't know what's going to happen in the film based on this, that it's going to be like a literal 
you know, this is going to happen to essentially Christian's character by way of Maya. Uh, right. I, I just love it. I think it's great. Um, anyways, the next day, everyone is set to watch the first in a series of ceremonies here at Harga, uh, the Etestupa. Again, just trying my best. Uh, Pele, <laughs> just, I don't know, man. Uh, Pele, I struggle to pronounce words in English half the time uh, and fail miserably. You're doing uh, great. I believe in you. Thank you. That's what I needed. You've gassed me up and I'm ready to go. <laughs> Pele fails to warn the group of what's to come. Uh, Josh seems to have a faint idea asking if it's going to be a real one. Uh, at this point, like, because I didn't see this movie in a while and I didn't really remember his character too well. So I didn't know if he was being a prick like, oh, I know what's coming, but he doesn't actually know because he refuses to give his friends any insight as to what that is. And then, but later he does say like, oh, are those the people who are going to like be part of the Atastupa? As if knowing that it does comprise like two individuals. So I don't know if he knows what's going to happen entirely or not. But yeah, so, I'd be curious. Do, do you watch the director's cut? Do, do you get a further... I haven't watched it yet, well, so I, I feel like a dick now, having not. No, what I was going to say was, unless I missed it, and I was kind of listening for it because I remembered it from the first viewing, was the moment where he asks about it before they end up taking, like, witnessing it. But I don't think that even happened in this cut. Like, I don't think we saw Josh ask that question because I remembered that, like, for whatever reason, I very specifically remembered him asking about it um, and then it's sort of being like, oh, what's that before it happens? And I don't know, I, again, I could be wrong. I may have got distracted by something, but I don't think that moment took place in the director's cut. So it's more just of a surprise as to what exactly they're going to see or that this is even a thing they're going to see. Again, could be wrong, but it was something strange. So to answer your question, no, you that's not even there as far as I can remember. Yeah. I'm going to skip over the uh, the little dinner scene where uh, we meet our two uh, uh, tributes, I guess we'll call them. But uh, the Atistupa essentially commences. Uh, everyone's gathered at the base of a cliff and we're gazing upwards. Uh, one elder of the commune wields a big old carnival-sized mallet. Um, and on the peak of the cliff, we have... Uh, the two elders who cut their hands and they smear their blood over a tablet with runic symbols on it. And finally it happens. The woman jumps uh, aiming for a, uh, basically like a, a, a flat rock at the base uh, and smack uh, her face just straight up comes off. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It is gross. Yeah. I remember watching the film in the theater. I think Mitch and I were both like, Ooh, yep, it's a <laughs> <Yeah>. lot. <laughs> it's uh, a lot. Yeah, it's super effective. I, I, mm -hmm. I really liked it. Everybody is rightly disgusted. That's not part of the commune. Obviously, people who are part of the commune are just like, oh, this is like Saturday or whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not a big deal. Uh, Danny is reasonably freaked out because she's just dealt with suicide. Uh, and the two Londoners, Simon and Connie, are, are probably the most upset of the bunch. Who wouldn't um, be? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but I, you I just do go feel for like, a nice little visit and then that like, you know, geez, yeah, we have the shitty, shitty bros, essentially, or the other people. So I'm not surprised that they aren't affected. Even Mark, mm. and, uh, Mark himself is like, oh, why didn't anybody wake me after hearing what, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I feel like that's the attitude that they all actually shared. He's being honest about it uh, again. So I, I'm not surprised that it's only those three people who are the most affected by the events. Um, it only gets worse because the old man 
uh, you know, jumps. Unfortunately, his trajectory is less sure. He comes crashing into the dirt. Uh, the mallet then comes into play as a few of the commune members take swings at his head, uh, putting him out of his misery. Got to help him out, you know, in that situation. Got to help you help your friend out. A hundred percent. And nothing makes that better than the rest of the commune performing facsimiles of the old man's wet cries of pain uh, mm-hmm. while, while that happens, you know? It's all you can ask for in life. I got us. I got two Go quick things to say. Sorry to interrupt. Number one, uh, we skipped over the dinner scene, but there are a lot of dining scenes throughout the film. Yes. I want to ask you guys, when I finished the movie for the first time, I said to my partner who I went to see it with, every time they get served a little glass of juice or lemonade or whatever yeah that's psychedelics right and my partner was like no i think sometimes it's just juice like just a nice little glass of orange juice or or lemonade and i was like no i think i think they're getting fucked up every time they get a little glass of juice uh what do you guys think uh i was team cory um, oh interesting yeah i so i thought it was normally juice through parts of it to lull them into a, a trust of the juice. You know what I mean? And then they take mm. the one juice that gets and they the wheeze the juice. Up. Then they wheeze the juice uh, for the Encino man heads. In the <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mitch, what about you? What'd you think? Yeah, no, I was under that same impression, which was that they really? were always being fed the oh man maybe maybe that's more telling about me i was just like wow they're always high but they don't know it i thought that was part of the inculcation of like luring them into this whole like they're just constantly giving them psychedelics anyways okay no but to your point though there are other other things that they're utilizing that aren't psychedelics that they're being fed constantly like we'll see later there there is like yew tree which uh uh stops pain then they have uh, a a paralytic that they but use does it? right right <laughs> Wait, does, what did you say? does the yew tree oh, oh uh, stop the, the pain the, the yew tree does nothing nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh man i can't wait to talk about that like yeah this that oh man i'm, I'm rubbing my hands together uh but you know I'm not too close to the mic as to uh disturb and create sounds that are unnecessary Okay, the other thing I want to say just quickly yes. is based on you're talking about how the guys didn't have like an appropriately shocked reaction to the ritual suicides, right? Yes. Um, one of my favorite things about this movie is how it's just a just fucking ragging on the academic discipline of anthropology. I love it. <laughs> I, love it I really think this is a hate letter to anthropology as a super uh, oppressive and colonial discipline and I, I apologize to anyone out there who is a anthropologist and who is doing it the correct non-oppressive way but I think historically speaking the fact that we have a discipline called anthropology where some people in the world go study some other people in the world um, is is really really weird and has some questionable power dynamics um, and we get further into that in the film but the fact that they're there just to like collect data for their theses and to basically be the power hungry observers above this populace who are their ants in a petri dish or whatever i'm mixing metaphors but who cares um i love that i think yeah i think this is a big indictment of not only um you know academics who are uh really myopic and and self-centered but also specifically anthropology sorry oh i feel bad for anthropologists now <laughs> you all that. here but, anthropologists get fucked no but honestly i i really think this film is a giant 
fuck you to anthropology. And I enjoy that. I think that's really interesting. <laughs> Anyways, now let I mean, us continue. I, I think want... I've used the F word a lot. I'm sorry if that I mean, is... I swear so much. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Right. Okay. Okay. A... I just feel like I have more than I normally do on our episodes. Anyways. All right. Yeah. That's I mean, I'm, I'm the lowest of the low. I'm the, the basement, the swearing basement. Um, mm. I mean, I had a, I had high hopes of asking uh, you guys about the elders remarks that are essentially uh, pro kind of almost like euthanasia arguments mm. and your feelings about that. But you know what? Based on the anthrop anthropologist remarks, I think we should keep going because after this Christian intimates to Josh that he's going to essentially copy his thesis topic and write about the Midsummer traditions they're witnessing. Mm -hmm. What a what a power dick move, man. <laughs> yeah. It is like it's And you see audacity. it coming too. Like there's there's the hints of it that come through where um like Josh is asking questions and then what's his uh, Christian just sort of like piggybacks off it and you get the like, seriously, dude? Uh, look from Josh. So it, it builds up to it in a nice way where you see the sort of little dickish moves building to that moment. But I also wanted to mention that the that this big scene, like the Atestupa, is an hour into the movie. And like you you get the moment of the uh the sort of suicide of of her sister and taking the parents as well. But then you've got a long stretch where it's not that nothing happens, but you're just sort of getting acclimated to the um to like the commune and everything that's going on there and you're getting immersed like it feels like you're sort of on the journey with them um, but i think it makes it all that much more um horrific when you finally get this super violent moment of like the it's just super visceral when her face smashes off of the thing and like mm. they don't shy away from anything and like showing it as yeah. far as like the her face is gone and then the other dude laying there and you're seeing his broken leg and the mallet being smashed into his skull um it's, it's not brutal pretty. but yeah. uh, again i think it's really effective the the pacing of the movie works really well to make that as effective as it is i agree yeah. i mean like to quote uh i think it's fucking bill paxton and aliens uh or no it's hicks i think it's uh michael bean but he's like short short controlled bursts in terms of how mm. to use the rifles that's how i kind of like like violence in movies yeah. for me for it to be effective for me like i don't i don't enjoy like the dead alive where it's like a bunch of violence all the time and gore and blah 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 i'd rather just see like something like shocking and brief and then character work and then you know something again shocks you uh, an ebb and flow or something to the film rather than just some kind of one speed uh comedy gore or whatever absolutely it does not appeal to me whatsoever um but yeah that's just my preference but uh so oh man one line that i love of christians not to go back to the scene again but he says he's open to collaborating with him <laughs> like, this dude's been studying this this is what he came here for uh which is as you've had to point it out shitty and stupid but still oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's it's incredibly funny have either of you had a moment where uh somebody has essentially co-opted your ideas uh, this is a, a unprompted i did wasn't planning on asking this i'm just curious uh no i don't think so i don't no. have that many ideas no that just failed miserably uh that's why yeah. uh i should only ask planned questions i guess 
Um, anyways, uh, meanwhile, basically after these events, uh, Danny plans to leave the commune. Uh, again, rightly rocked by the results of the Atastupa ceremony, uh, Paley uh, convinces Danny to stay, explaining that uh, he too has lost his parents in fire, uh, and the commune took him in as an orphan, uh, basically giving him the family he uh, had lost. And saying that he always felt held. <laughs> yes, uh, Danny, do you feel held by Christian? As if nope. trying to no, yeah, hundred fifty percent no. Um, uh, that evening, Danny descends uh, into a sleeping pill nightmare, which stylistically looks amazing. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Maya, uh, again, I, I believe it's Pele's sister, uh, still pining after Christian places. Uh, a rune underneath his bed, uh, an act that Josh does spy. Um, the next day, Mark literally pisses on a sacred ancestral tree. <laughs> uh, during the kerfuffle, it's revealed that uh, Simon uh, is being brought to the train station and uh, they'll be coming back to get Connie as the truck only seats one person. Uh, Connie is like completely like what the fuck he just left without me uh, a very reasonable reaction uh, you know and they they try to offer uh, a rationale for why it's happening that you know they have to move right now if they want to get back in time to grab her it's also off-putting though uh, like a lot is going on right now we have uh, Mark rooting the tree uh, Connie and Simon are essentially being you know slowly brought out of this situation and it just feels like it's unraveling very very quickly and this is kind of like where uh i think like the noose of the the movie tightens very very quickly um anyways while doing research on this on his uh stolen thesis topic christian asked this is to yuvana's point by the way christian asked one of the commune members if there's incest within the community honestly just like straight up unprompted uh very little foreplay getting to this question he's just leading in so disrespectfully uh it's revealed that outsiders are in fact uh brought in to mate uh as they do respect the incest taboo uh doing his own research josh is being shown uh the ever-evolving runic library where it's revealed that reuben who is uh, a basically a, he has like physical deformities and he's cognitive de- cognitively delayed and is uh, he's developing the runic library further uh, and they reveal that he is the product of intended uh, inbreeding uh, the reason being is that we want they want to create an oracle who is unclouded by normal cognition uh, which uh, I believe is the wording that they use uh, which is a lot it's a lot of incest talk. I am uncomfortable with this yes <laughs> I really like this movie, but I think uh, trotting out the trope of the magical R word is oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. not good not great not, not great it's not good I I do so uh, rather than like he doesn't actually uh, I shouldn't say he doesn't actually but like I I don't he doesn't actually possess abilities it's rather they're perceived. no but they yeah 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 but so I I do get it uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not great. I don't. Not great. In, I don't in general in, uh, enjoy the trotting out of somebody who either has you know physical abnormalities no. or you know is cognitively delayed as like the villain. Like th- th- there's a real reason why I don't enjoy. I mean, this is. I'm sure you both of you have never seen this, but Toby Hooper's The Funhouse. I do not fucking care for that movie for mm-hmm. the same exact reason. Just such a lazy, shitty, like 
I don't know. I just don't. I don't like it. Uh, yeah. I think it's yeah. This is definitely like a, a weaker spot for the movie. Yeah, it's my only grievance with the film. I would say straight up. Well, yeah. and it feels unnecessary. Like it doesn't That's feel like it. it adds anything to the the story or anything. Like it. It just feels like why is this here? It doesn't need That's, to be here. Yeah. The movie doesn't benefit from this at all. I actually uh, pictured the film without that, and I was like, "This is fine. This is a fine movie." Yeah. Yeah. I think he's only in like four sequences and mm-hmm. one of those is only like a, a sw- like a quick cutaway during a dinner scene. You see his face. The other is just like I, two other nothing scenes. Uh, and then I, I believe he uh, is present when Josh is getting murdered and he's the one wearing the, we'll get to it uh, very, very soon, actually. Um, uh, well, we'll talk about it. I, it's just all proving the point that this character could disappear from the movie and it would have been fine. And uh, it would have been sorry not fine it would have been better for it um yeah. but anyways uh over another communal lunch uh they I, by the way the communal lunches are like organized into like a runic symbol the, the tables it's very cute uh but did Christian, you look up what that symbol means by any chance i was I curious know. but i didn't I, do any googling or anything no i did I, I wrote the synopsis and i was like i'm done i didn't i didn't, <laughs> yeah. pr- I didn't proofread this so if there's anything that's like wow uh not my fault uh but anyways uh i'd be curious um christian finds a pubic hair in his food uh drawing from some of the imagery we saw adorning the quote from the beginning of the film uh meanwhile they're told connie's been brought to the train station but it's clear danny doesn't believe any of this uh, can i pause you for one second sorry i don't mean yes. to interrupt but i have a question that it honestly isn't even worth asking but no, but, no I was, but i thought it watching this movie would you know that it was a pube <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you just think, oh, there's a hair in my food? I mean, yeah. I, have, I have a puby beard. So, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, gray it could area. Be a beard gray hair. area. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> I thought I was like, I, I think that's a good question. Be like, yeah, this just be a hair. But I feel like the, the pube is mentioned because it obviously ties into why it's there. I mean, in looking at the hair, it doesn't, does nothing, like, sure, it's like a, a bit squiggly, uh, but nothing screams pube to me um okay yeah. <laughs> I, I, i'm glad so, i asked yeah no, i know i agree with you like uh mark's like immediate like dude you found a pube in your food like whatever he says in response uh which is totally like the response of the frat bro oh kind yeah of person. everything that character says is perfect entirely um yeah uh totally insufferable but uh enjoyable for a movie um, yeah, so he find he finds the the pube. Uh, this again draws back to the quilt from the beginning of the movie. Uh, and did I already say that Connie's been brought to the train station? Yes, Ooh, yeah. I did already. Okay, cool. Um, Mark is then tapped on the shoulder and shepherded away by one of the women of the commune. He's been paying a little extra attention to, um, so he's now disappeared as well. So we have a, 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 a decreasing amount of outsiders who are now part of this commune um that evening an attempt to get some photos of the runic alphabet that's being developed josh sneaks into their temple under the cover of darkness uh it has been previously established that he can't take photos so he's trying to just fucking do it anyways because he's an anthropologist you know Mm -hmm. uh sadly or not even sadly he's he's discovered uh it's not sad uh he's startled by someone who appears to be mark uh however he uh is uh he doesn't have any underwear or pants on. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's missing that. 
however, the truth is that it appears to be Ruben wearing Mark's dead skin mask. And while distracted, someone strikes Josh over the head with the carnival-like mallet that we have previously seen in the Edestupa. Again, probably butchering the pronunciation. Um, I that that was that was intended to be Ruben wearing the the dead skin mask. Am I? Yeah. Am I right? Okay, cool. Yeah. I was. I mean, that was my assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next day over lunch, because again, there's a lot of uh, as you mentioned, uh, like just ornate uh, meals being enjoyed throughout this movie. Uh, Christian and Danny are uh, basically kind of un. They're oddly unperturbed by Mark and Josh's absence. I would say. Uh, one of the commune elders then informs the table that someone's absconded with the book of runic symbols. Um, the elders then gaslight Christian and Danny asking where their two friends are uh, trying to create some distance uh, with Mark and Josh. Christian offers something silly along the lines of uh, if they've done what you think, we don't associate with them. We aren't friends with them or collaborators. <laughs> like it's the <laughs> fucking stupidest thing. Uh, this character, it has like the, the backbone of a creature that doesn't have a backbone that I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, a jellyfish? Jellyfish. Thank you. <laughs> yes. That, 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 that is the correct uh, expression. Uh, nailed it, Mitch. Thank you. Uh, where would I be without you? I don't know. <laughs> Just uh, failing miserably. Anyways, at this point, Christian and Danny are, are then separated. Christian going off to meet Sieve, who's one of the, or Sev, who's one of the elder women in one of the commune buildings. And he's kind of being asked, you, you, what are his intentions with Maya? Because she does like him. Meanwhile, Danny dons some of the traditional garb and is given some hallucinogenic tea drink. Yes, uh, don the traditional garb. Put it yes, on. It looks great. I love I'm all I'm cheering stuff. for Danny already at this point. I'm like, just go, girl. Oh, man, the final moment of this movie is so perfect. Yeah. Uh, we are very, very close. Um, but anyways, uh, she then engages in the Maypole dance-off, and it's kind of like square dancing mixed with Ring Around the Rosie. Uh, and it's a last woman standing dance competition that I wish uh, a TV show was based on, and I'd watch it. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if this this outs me as a weirdo, but did either of you have to do square dancing in elementary school? Yep, we did. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Mitch? It must have been part of the curriculum because it was a lesson that, yeah, went, yeah. I think, across schools and, yeah. We had dancing, but it, uh, I mean, I guess, like, it was called, like, the folk dance was, like, the thing where all the schools would go and you'd do your dance, but it wasn't necessarily line dancing. Like, one year we did fucking, like, low bow wow like a hip hop dance to it. So it wasn't line dancing, but we definitely had a weird random dance class where you would learn a routine and go perform it with other schools. Do you think people will say to this or like, what are these fucking weird old people talking about? <laughs> <laughs> do you think I, they I, still do that? No, hundred percent. No, I like, I don't think I do this anymore. <laughs> if they did that still, I'd be so like curious as to like what that looks like. Yeah. That'd be um, weird. Yeah. It wouldn't be a little bow wow, let me tell you. Um, yeah, I, uh, so again, we're we're separated. Uh, they may pull dancing is starting. Um, basically, uh, at this point, where are we now? Oh, so here we go. Uh, Christian watches this celebration until uh, Maya collapses early in the Maypole competition, saunters over and brings him his own uh, hallucinogenic tea drink, uh, which he, you know, after a bit of cajoling, doesn't vibe. 
Danny uh, manages to win the dancing competition and is thus crowned the May Queen and ushered off to a banquet meal. Uh, along the way, she thinks she sees her mother surge past her. It's a really creepy moment because she's like in this like surge of like excited, you know, uh, ornately dressed uh, Scandinavians, and then her mother just like runs past her. It's and to me, it's creepy. again, I'm convinced they've been given the special juice all the time. So that's I stand by that. But continue. increasing doses of special juice is that what that's you right. think? Well, they yes, definitely they took it before do. the dance. Oh yeah, yeah. She's like out to fully out to lunch when the when the dance starts. I love the effects in this movie with the uh, the throbbing, like in- increasing and decreasing size of like certain objects and scenes. I think it's like super effective, and I think it is destabilizing and kind of aids in that like the the horror of what's like uh, occurring and then what's about to occur as well. I think I think it really works all together. Yeah, it's and it's really. It's like it's subtle. It's not as though it's some yeah. like crazy camera trick. It's just if you're not looking sort of at the flowers or like the sort of hills in the background, you're you might not notice it immediately, but it's it's there. And I think you're right. I think it works really well. I think what helps too is if you're not paying attention, you don't recognize it. Something still seems off. You know, what I mean, like pupils yeah. are like. Yeah. slightly increasing in size and i think that is what is interesting so you know maybe if you don't even notice that something does feel wrong uh, outside of what's actually occurring on screen um at this point uh danny is then literally carted off in a carriage uh, as she's been requested to bless the crops for the next season uh it's basically they go to a hole that's filled with seeds they put a stake over top of it crack an egg uh and then it's buried Uh, meanwhile a now frighteningly high christian is led via a trail of flower petals to one of the commune buildings where he's ushered in by some orville peck looking motherfucker for a public round of sex with maya as the elder woman watch uh mimicking maya's moans and pushing christian's butt helping him thrust into (laughs) maya so i have a question for you guys uh the butt thrust i i Mm -hmm. i laughed and i believe mitch laughed i laughed oh yeah uh this is why this is such a great laugh is because um, I, I believe Ari Aster was I'm like 99% sure this is a correct story. So if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I believe this is a true thing. Ari Aster intended this to actually be a horrifying moment. And I think sometimes that's wow. the best comedy though. Yeah. It's that like, really did not unintended... land as horrifying to me. Yeah. I mean, it is like a certain type of horror, but uh, it's no, definitely I laughed. so funny. That was funny. Yeah. The whole yeah. scene itself or just the butt pushing the butt the thrust butt, the butt the butt thrust <laughs> i mean I, you <laughs> the have augmented, to augmented thrust <laughs> think that it was funny i would have died laughing watching it like it being filmed i don't know it, even the moment before that where uh one of the other women just like comes down and starts singing uh to maya while the christian is having sex with her and his the look yeah. on his face when that happens the whole sequence is wonderful it's so good yeah it's great and i love the way he like is clearly confused but also continues doing it he's he's not like also he's probably gotten the special juice i'm convinced that everyone is on special juice he's for sure on special juice 150 percent. yeah he's 90 not like because he's given the the drink uh by maya at this point so he's he's yeah they both had the the drink and then they blew some shit in his face right before right right he's souped up wait no oh wait so did i miss something no no that comes after the 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 face blowing i think happens after right no it's right before because he says it's Mm -hmm. for your virility 
That's right. Oh. He blows it in his face. There's another face blow shortly after that we'll get to. Um, and right, we'll, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have uh, Christian butt thrusting, augmented thrusting. Uh, also, Ruben's watching from a nearby bed. Again, this is like one of the scenes where I'm like, you just don't need it. Yeah. It doesn't need to be there watching. It's, just, it's not, it doesn't add anything really. Proving your guys' point. Uh, completely agree. Anyways, uh, back from blessing the next year's crops, Danny finds Christian having sex with Maya. You know, uh, like all of her reactions in this, I think they're all reasonable. She breaks down, and much like the elder women, I didn't mention this, but the uh, elder women are mimicking Maya's moans, which is <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> another layer on top of everything that's happening. But uh, as she breaks down, the uh, other people of the commune that are around her, which are the younger women, begin to mimic her desperate sobs. Uh, it's interesting because it both seems calming to see shared drama, but it's also horrifying because it sees you see people mimicking your reaction and essentially stealing what should be like a singular kind of pain. So I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, do, do you guys have an opinion? Like, if if, if you had people around you who were like, uh, I I'm, I see how you're reacting, and I'm going to take that pain and have it as well. How would you feel about that? Uh, again, an unprompted question. Yvanna, please go right away. God, I don't know. That's a that's a heavy question. I find I it hard to yeah. I find it hard to imagine that kind of transference of pain. Yeah. All right, Mitch. Same question. Go right now. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would just <laughs> I be so caught off guard that I wouldn't know how to respond. But I think that what you mentioned, sort of feeling like it's been stolen from you or they've co-opted your pain, would be uncomfortable and like i would be upset by that but i think that what we see in the movie is that because she has nobody like it's pretty well established throughout the from the beginning of the movie to now that she doesn't really have anyone uh you know her family's been killed we only see her interact with a friend over the phone christian is her clearly not the there worst, for yeah. her like she she has nobody and so in this moment it yeah. seems like she's initially caught off guard but then the like it almost changes where she's like embracing them because now there's finally like the concept is referred to in the movie a number of times it's like they're all one sort of family there which is like now she has this family that are all embracing her and sharing this with her not in a sort of mocking way, which is, I think, how I would probably perceive it if that were to happen <laughs> in real life. But in that, like, we're all sharing in this experience yeah. together. I think that's a good point that she has nobody, so she's very amenable to this kind of support. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Uh, sorry to, for that tension, guys, but uh, here we are. <laughs> um, after Christian Maya Climax... Uh, it's as if Christian kind of realizes the gravity of what he's just done for the first time. And he runs stark naked from the building and hides in a barn. Uh, unfortunately, in this barn, uh, it's revealed that we find Simon, uh, the Londoner that supposedly left. Uh, he's suspended from the ceiling and has been given a blood eagle, um, which uh, for the uninitiated means that there's an incision in your back and your lungs are pulled through your back uh, to give the appearance of wings. So now that you have that horrifying vision, uh, you can thank me. One of our elders. Uh, Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I had a question about that. Yes. The lungs are like breathing. Yeah, he's still alive. They're interesting. I, yeah. I mean, I, I have a number of questions as to how that would be 
possible, but I mean, it's a, also it's yeah, been my disbelief. I have, the, I have the scientific and medical questions, but I also just kind of go like, oh, okay, this yeah. is terrifying. Oh, it's it's <laughs> meant to be horrifying. So it is, it is, uh, a blood eagles is a torture method first. So you are still alive because like your lungs are taken out of the pleural sac, I believe. Uh, and they, I believe they can still like pump, uh, enough oxygen to like, but you're still losing blood. And again, like his eyes are gone. So I, I presumably he's like bleeding a, a ton and, and death is on the way. But uh, I believe you can live for a hot second like that. Uh, it would just be miserable. Um, so again, now that, like yeah. So now that that's in your head, uh, you can thank me. So at this point, the uh, one of the elders does sneak up behind Christian, and this is what I meant. Uh, he blows some kind of powder in his face uh, that paralyzes him. Basically, every, like his his eyelids, uh, unaided, uh, will stay closed. Uh, you know, but his uh, basically it, it's enough that his breathing will still continue. Um, Christian then comes to, still very much paralyzed, uh, in front of Danny who is now in a flower May queen regalia. Uh, it is great. I love the, the costume design in this. I think it's a plus stuff. You know, it's enough that like people are just copying this shit. The, the subsequent Halloween that this movie came out uh, and rightly so, cause it's so good. Uh, I, I would, I, I'd still do this as a Halloween costume and not feel bad at all for having missed the like zeitgeist moment on doing it. Um, she is also wearing a frown that has been lampooned endlessly, but I think it's a really great performance. And I really love like her, just like uh, the, the absolute existential dread she's feeling kind of at this, in this moment. Um, and then uh, they, they, they explain the mechanics of the midsummer. So there's, there's intended to be nine sacrifices so among those who have already been murdered, it's revealed that uh, Ingmar, uh, Pele's brother, and Olaf, uh, another commune member, are to be two of the three remaining sacrifices required by the celebrations. And ultimately, calling back to the bingo ball dispenser that I had mentioned earlier on, uh, a final name is going to uh, descend from one of the balls in this dispenser, uh, and all of them are adorned with a runic symbol. Uh, you know, the, the contraption is twisted and one of the balls uh, fi- like falls out uh, and delivers one of the final potential sacrifices required by the residents of Harga. Who is the other potential sacrifice, you might ask? Well, it's obviously Christian. And it's now Danny's choice to decide between this commune member and Christian as to who should be the final sacrifice. That, that's correct, by the way. I, I think I'm yeah. yep. awesome. Uh, Danny suffering no fool selects our immobilized Christian. He's got to go. I'm sorry, but he's got to go. Yeah. Oh, I, was, I almost said hot or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not what I meant to say. Uh, yeah, kick this guy to the curb. He's not good at all. Um, all of the dead sacrifices now join the still living sacrifices in uh, the yellow A-framed house that uh, is earlier established in the film as being a like uh, a spiritual kind of hub that they weren't allowed to go into at all. So it's kind of it's been mentioned and you've seen it, but I haven't mentioned it yet in the story. Uh, but that's where they're being brought. Uh, Christian is placed into the still bloody skin of the bear we saw at the start of the film and now joins everyone else in this A-frame as it's set ablaze. Uh, Before it's set ablaze, uh, we made reference to uh, basically um, 
um, Ingmar and Olaf uh, are going to be, you know, fully awake and alive and fine when it's set ablaze and they're offered, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's something from the yew tree. Mitch, do you remember what it's called? Oh, I don't know. I just like <laughs> the water or something from the yew tree. I have no idea what it's, it was. It's so funny. They're like, it'll take away all of your pain. And then yep. as like the fire licks their skin, they just like fucking <laughs> scream. Uh, and again, because this is a, a community that shares their pain, everybody mimics the the sounds of, of, you know, the pained cries that are coming from this molting A-frame. Uh, Danny does join in uh, the mimicking of the pain, uh, you know, weeping and crying. Uh, and then a smile overtakes her face as she watches the A-frame collapse. And I think that's a great way to end this movie. Well, uh, unlike the May Queen, my little baby daughter is having a terrible time. I think the May Queen is having an excellent time and really enjoying her life and living her best self. But uh, little baby daughter is not. So I'm going to say an early goodbye to this episode. And I look forward to listening and hearing your guys' thoughts on the end of the film. Have a wonderful evening, Ivana. Uh, thank Thanks. you for yes, coming luck. this far. Also, we finished the movie. It's an hour and 13 minutes of a podcast. So I think this yeah, is the bad. ticket now. Yeah. Uh, you guys you guys take it home without me i i trust you we'll do our best um yeah mitch what are you what are your thoughts on the the final moments of this movie uh i'm a big fan i really like the at the moment that we talked about already uh with the the yew tree and the dudes just screaming uh, in agony um it's such a great like little you know just a final little moment uh and i don't know why i find it so funny but it just it, it kills me uh, that moment's great, and then her reaction at the very end uh, is is great as well. Really like the ending of this movie. Just big fan of the the movie as a whole, even the director's cut that was almost three hours. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Yes. Um, the ending of Saint Maud is somewhat similar, uh, and I found that incredibly funny. I thought you you would like that movie as well, and like that ending would be like the the thing for you because I, I feel like it's it's like hinging on a similar type of comedy uh not to not to bring another movie into our episode or anything like that I'm just yeah i mean i to be honest with you i don't remember uh, a good portion of saint mod <laughs> i don't just... know why <laughs> i just like felt the connection of of those two moments uh because I they think, are quite similar uh not necessarily the the moments themselves but just with the movie and maybe a, a thought as to why I didn't quite enjoy one as much as I enjoy the other is the characters themselves and being invested in them yeah. and liking uh, Danny's character and feeling for her and, and sort of, I don't want to say seeing her like win in the end, but just like find basically she's, she's embraced this new sort of cult family um, and is sort of reveling in her, I don't want to say being born again uh, from this experience, but almost that's how it feels. Um, whereas I don't know that I felt the same connection to uh, Maud in, in yeah. the other film. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I apologize for saddling you with a St. Maud question during our <laughs> no, no worries. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else. Uh, I'm, like, again, huge fan of Will Poulter uh, as Mark um you know yeah uh, absolutely florence Pugh is great in this movie iconic role 
I don't think we're gonna do uh, best performances and favorite scenes uh, unless you'd like to. But I don't think it's necessary. necessary I mean, yeah. we you know we talked about the things we like about the movie, and I think people are probably have a pretty good sense of the scenes we quite uh, enjoy, and the performances are all very good. But Florence Pugh just crushes it. Um, yeah, definitely has the most to do, but also just like nails every moment. Yeah, it's um, so great. Yeah, and obviously we're, we're down to Yavanna now, so. Uh, I think that uh, I, I should just say that I'm excited for our next season. Uh, I'm excited to pick movies that I feel stronger about that you'll uh, dislike. Okay. And yeah, I love this movie. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, something that I don't think I've ever said uh, is give us a review, or you know, don't you don't feel obligated? No, but, fucking you know, do it. Be obligated. But, go, you go to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google. And you leave a review. Yes. Now that you've been threatened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I have nothing left to give, I think, for this episode. Uh, I, I, I don't think to... we need any more. We're, we're golden. We're a great golden. movie. If yes. you haven't seen this movie, you probably should have watched it before listening to this because we spoiled yes. the whole movie for you. Um, well, that was stupid of you. But yeah. uh... <laughs> <laughs> you made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. But definitely worth uh, watching. And if you have seen it, maybe go back and revisit it because it's just as good the second time around. I completely agree. Um, Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, Let's say goodbye. Bye. Bye.